Good morning. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for Sunday Morning Alive right here on our website. We're glad that you are gathering with us around the Word of God today to lift up the mighty name of Jesus, to glorify our Heavenly Father, magnify Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. And welcome the Holy Spirit to come and move in our midst today. Hallelujah. We need a revival. I believe everybody uh, that sees the condition of the world and the church world in particular realizes how much we need God, God's Holy Spirit to move in a mighty way in these last of the last days, in these perilous times. We have a powerful ally. Hallelujah. And that is the mighty Holy Spirit. Praise God. We're going to be talking about something today that I believe is so important. In fact, I believe it is vital that we understand what what are the triggers that will cause a response of God and a manifestation of the Spirit of God. You, you, you say, Pastor, we're right here at election time. Why aren't we talking about the, the politics? Because God is in control, regardless of who takes control of the Senate or the Congress or the White House itself. It doesn't mean we shouldn't vote uh, for righteous men or, and women and right causes according to the scripture. Uh, you can't vote for certain things that God is against uh, and, and, and be right with God. I'm going to put that out front. But I'm going to tell you right now, regardless of who wins this election, a mighty move of God's Spirit will turn the course of this nation. Regardless of I'm going to say that again. I want you to hear it loud and clear. God is either God or he is not God. He's either in control or the whole world is out of control. But I serve a God who says I'm the God of all flesh and there's nothing too hard for me. He says of himself, I lift up kings and I throw kings down. Amen. He exalts nations and he he demands Motes nations, amen. One thing he said he would do, amen. Every mountain's going to be brought low. You can count on that, and every valley is going to be exalted. Praise God. So God is in control. We need a revival worse than we need a particular candidate uh, to be sitting in the White House. We need a revival more than we need a political party. Uh, we need a, uh, to be in control. We need a revival in America, something that will Prick the conscience of every person, something that will mightily begin to shake up and shape up all of that that the devil has has absolutely turned upside down. You know, when they preached Jesus to cities and went out and kept the Great Commission, it, it, without all of the modern uh, means that we have to advertise and to present the gospel today, um, there was a mighty move of God's Spirit. And they said of those ministers back then with nothing but the message of Jesus and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the men have come here that have turned the city 
upside down. Well, it's upside down already. So if we turn an upside down city upside down, it'll be right side up. <laughs> Hallelujah. Brother Venable, why, why, why aren't you bearing down on these, these concerns? Because I'm so concerned about the concerns that I'm trusting the sovereignty of God and the power of God and the person of Jesus and the mighty Holy Spirit. Praise God. If we have a revival, it's going to be amazing here in America how how different things are going to be. Amen. God can take a Saul of Tarsus and turn the mightiest persecutor of the church in that day, backed up by the the powerful Sanhedrin, amen, and turn him into an apostle and a martyr for the cause of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. That's what revival can do, my dear friend. That's why we're going to be talking today on this message this morning about exalting Jesus, the master key to a mighty revival. Exalting Jesus, the master key to a mighty revival. Hallelujah. I'm going to make a statement that I made some years ago, and I'm going to make it again today because I wrote it down. And it's more relevant today than it was 10 or 15 years ago when I wrote it down. See if you don't agree with me. The 21st century church has become very efficient in organizing, very good at preaching and teaching. We are now hearing about seeker-friendly churches, a kind of designer gospel made to order to stimulate interest and boost attendance. The 21st century church is highly efficient at fundraising, the church that uses worldly marketing techniques to stimulate giving has found that people will give generously if you press the right buttons. And the promise of earthly wealth brings tens of thousands of people to churches and millions of dollars into the treasury. In the first century, there was a very efficient and self-sufficient church called Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. And this is, this is their testimony. And it looked like they had the blessings of God if you judge the blessings of God, but by the material and the physical rather than the spiritual and the eternal. Revelation 3.17, it says, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, And knowest thou not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Isn't that amazing how they saw themselves blinded by the flesh and how Christ saw them? Their true condition is how Jesus saw them, dear friend, not as how they saw themselves. They supposed that gain equated with godliness. And that is a terrible, 
terrible deception and yet we're seeing it in our generation in churches that were once known for the power of God and the presence of God and souls being brought into the kingdom of God now are known for for the their 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 buildings and and their 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 riches just like Laodicea he said, you're not what you think you are. This is not God. This, this, this is blindness. You're wretched and you're miserable and poor and blind and naked. The one translation said, uh, translated this way, what they said of themselves. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. Well, wealth was all they were after and that's all they got. And one truth is without argument. You won't find an authentic move of the Holy Spirit in a worldly church. Why? Because Jesus Christ is not exalted. I want you to look with me this morning to the message that was confirmed by the Holy Ghost moving mightily in the midst of the hearers. In Acts chapter 10, Peter is giving the testimony of Jesus to Cornelius and his household. Christ is being exalted and the Holy Ghost fell. Hallelujah. Look at Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read 10 verses 36 through 46. Stay with me this morning. Amen. Listen to it. It says the word which God sent, and this is the message uh, that Peter gave to Cornelius and his household who had not heard the gospel and been given the opportunity to respond. Listen, he said the word which God sent to the children of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all all. Hallelujah. That word, I say which you know and which was published throughout all Judea, began from Galilee, from the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Every time I I say of something about Jesus, say hallelujah. Amen. In fact, I'm going to lead you in that. I'm going to back up the word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He, Jesus Christ, is Lord of all. Hallelujah. That word which I say you know which was published throughout all Judea began from Galilee after the baptism of John which John preached. How God anointed Jesus, hallelujah, of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. Who? With Jesus, hallelujah. And we are witnesses of all these things which he, Jesus, hallelujah, did, both in the land of the Jews in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Who did they slay and hang on a tree? Jesus, hallelujah. Him, Jesus, hallelujah. God raised up the third day and showed him who, Jesus, openly. This is all about Jesus. This is not about denominational structure. This is not about dogma in and of itself. We need the structure. We need the dogma. But it's all about Jesus. 
verse 41, not all the people, but unto the, to, not to all people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even unto us who did eat and drink with Him, Jesus. It's about Jesus, hallelujah. After He, Jesus, hallelujah, rose from the dead. And He, Jesus, commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He, Jesus. Is this about, is this about political, is this politics? Is this denominational creed or dogmas? No, this is about a person. The gospel is centered in a person. And the Holy Spirit is going to move mightily where the person that God has exalted is being exalted. You know, the Bible said of Jesus that God gave him a name which is above every name that is named of things in heaven, earth, and beneath the earth that the sound of his name, amen, every knee should bow, every tongue should confess and will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God. I'm going to go back up to verse 42. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he, Jesus, hallelujah, which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and the dead, to give him, Jesus, to him, Jesus, give all the prophets witness that through his, Jesus, name, whoever believeth in him, Jesus, shall not, shall receive the remission of sins. And while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. It was this message, it was this emphasizing and exalting of Jesus that caused the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. While Peter yet spake, Spake these words. The Holy Ghost fell on all them that heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They not only received Christ as their Savior, they were baptized in the Holy Ghost. Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they tarried there certain days. What convinced these believing Jews that had believed on Jesus that these Gentiles uh, were now brought into the kingdom? It said, because they heard them speak with tongues even as they did and magnify God. Amen. According to verse 44, let's zero in on this. While Peter was yet still speaking, speaking what? This message of Jesus and Him crucified and Jesus and Him magnified. Hallelujah. And Jesus and Him glorified. Hallelujah. Amen. The question I have is this. Is there a correlation between what Peter was preaching and the Holy Ghost coming in mighty power? I believe there is. And the clue is realizing that the mission of the Holy Ghost 
is to exalt Jesus. Jesus told us what the essence of the mission of the Holy Spirit is in John sixteen fourteen. He said, when he comes, he will glorify me. Hallelujah. He won't speak of himself, he said, but he will glorify me. Amen. Well, a Bible scholar, J.I. J. Packer, wrote a very good book called Keep in Step with the Spirit. His main point in that book is this, and I'm going to quote, The essence of the Holy Spirit's ministry is, at this or any time in the Christian era, and I'm going to apply it to our time with all of its distractions right now, everything that is, is captivating and capturing our focus and attention, uh, most of it, to be honest, is bringing undue worry and undue uh, uncertainty and undue concern. These are important days that we're living in. We should have a, a deep concern about the circumstances and situations that America and the world is in, but and the church even is in. But when that concern turns to debilitating, distracting worry, then we lose our focus. I'm going to declare something to you today. We serve a God who is in control when everything seems out of control. We serve a mighty God. We serve a mighty King. We serve a God, hallelujah, who lifts up and a God who casts down. We serve a God, a man that can take the greatest persecutor of the church, save his soul, fill him with the Holy Spirit, and send him to write 13 of the 27 books of the New Testament and and seal his testimony with his devotion even unto a martyr's death. If God can do that, God can move in our generation. But we need a mighty move of God in and through the Christian community and and every every denominational system and structure. Praise God. Hallelujah. We need to exalt Jesus above everyone else and everything else that is going on. Praise God. The essence of the Holy Spirit's ministry is at this or any time in the Christian era is to mediate the presence of Jesus Christ. In other words, the Spirit is sent to make Christ real to people and to show us who He really is in His glory so that we come to love Him and trust Him and obey Him and show Him to the world and declare Him to the world. What this means is that the Holy Ghost will come in power where the truth about Jesus is being lifted up and made plain. The Spirit loves to come and take the truth about Jesus and turn it into an experience of Jesus to everyone that hears it and receives it. That's what happened in Acts 10. Peter held up a verbal portrait of Jesus and the Spirit came and turned the portrait into living reality of Jesus himself. Glory be to God. Amen. So my answer to the question, is there any correlation between the way Peter preached 
what he preached, the emphasis of his preaching, and the coming of the Holy Spirit in power is an absolute, underscored, in parenthesis, (laughs) highlighted yes. The correlation is that Peter painted such a picture of Jesus that the Spirit saw a very attractive opportunity to come and glorify the Son of God, which is what he's appointed to do. That's his mission. That's the essence of his ministry. So he will come in power where and when Jesus is exalted, lifted up in truth, and made the center of our focus. Amen. So if you want the Spirit's power in your life, I encourage you to make Jesus the center of your life. See, that's why the Apostle Paul, when he came to preach at Corinth, he said, I don't want to know anything among you except Jesus and Him crucified. Hallelujah. He knew the master key to a mighty revival was Jesus exalted, Jesus magnified, Jesus glorified. Hallelujah. Friend of mine, I want you to know I am committed to lifting up Jesus. Philip went down to Samaria, the scripture said in the book of Acts, and he preached healing to them. No, healing came. Oh, it said so many were healed that it caused many others to believe on Jesus. So many people in the revival in Samaria got saved that they had to call, they had to call Christian leaders to come down and lay hands on so many hungry for God that they might receive the Holy Spirit. There was a mighty revival of the sick being healed, people being saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. And Peter, and it wasn't the baptism in the Holy Ghost that was preached, although what was preached brought the baptism of the Holy Ghost to so many hungry for more of God. It wasn't just the salvation message, uh, in, in, in itself, but it was Jesus. Amen. A lot of people are talking about ways to get saved without Jesus. There is no way to get saved without Jesus. <laughs> There's one God, one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen carefully to me today. It was a message of salvation, but it was all wrapped up in a person, and the person is, was, and always will be Jesus. Hallelujah. That's why when the apostles preached Jesus and a man was healed and they were threatened to be killed and they would have killed them. They would have killed them, it said in the early part of the book of Acts. But but they feared the people because they could not deny that a mighty miracle had occurred in Jesus' name. <laughs> and they called the apostles and they told them not to preach or teach in this name anymore. You see, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, the focus of God's mighty move and the Holy Spirit's confirmation is Jesus. And the focus of Satan's hatred and ire is Jesus. So they were not commanded to quit teaching theologies and and dogmas and creeds and religions. You know what they were told to do? Don't preach any more 
in that name. Why? Because the scripture said there's no other name under heaven given unto men by which we must be saved, save the name of Jesus. Satan would rather have a false religion through a false church to give people a false sense of security. Amen. He would rather have any kind. He's not anti-religion. In fact, the Bible said that he will use religion. He really wants what religion can produce, a false religion and a false gospel. He wants to sit where God sits. He wants the glory that God has given to Jesus. He will use the false prophet to come into power with lying miracles in the book of Revelation. Listen to me carefully today. The false church is forming. False prophets have went out and are here today. All of this, 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 Satan is building a religious structure that will accommodate the Antichrist purpose to come into power and to rule and to present himself as Christ or God. Listen today, friend, we need a move of the Holy Spirit and we need him to not just come to give us liver shivers on Sunday morning or goose pimples on Sunday night. We need the spirit of truth to come and guide us into truth. And the central truth of the gospel is who Jesus is, what he came to do, what he accomplished, and what he's about to do. And that's come back again. Hallelujah. And rule and reign forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. He sent to make Jesus real to people so that we're not just trying to prop up dead religious systems. We need a mighty outpouring of the Spirit of God. So if you really want the Spirit's power in your life, if we need it in our churches, I encourage you, make Jesus the centerpiece of your heart and the centerpiece of your life. Peter took such a verbal picture of Jesus through the Scriptures and truth that they saw Jesus and received Him into their heart and life. I'm not talking about a vision of Him, but a portrait of Him through the Word of God and the revelation of the Holy Spirit to their own heart and their own life. And God saved them, and God filled them with the Holy Spirit. And as they magnified Him and glorified Him and spoke in other tongues, even as the Jewish believers on Christ had done, amen, they, they, they were convinced that God had indeed grafted in the Gentiles and brought them in to this kingdom of grace. And that middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile, because the covenant was exclusively to the Jew, that wall came crumbling down. Hallelujah. And God took the two and made them one. And we, the Bible said, we as a wild olive branch have been grafted in to the true vine. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. We are spiritual Israel today and we live under the covering of the covenant that God has with them through him, Jesus Christ. Praise God. Amen. I'm so glad today to know 
Amen. Looking back over a lifetime of preaching, that I, that, that there's many tangents uh, that we could get out off into and the devil would love us to get off into but even as our webmaster has said on our website our message was and is today jesus and him crucified all that he did for us all that he came to do he accomplished on the cross and all of the blessings and benefits that we have beginning with the salvation of our soul. It's all because of the cross and not the cross, the wooden edifice on which he died, but the Christ that hung on that cross to obtain salvation for you and for me. And that's why the preaching of the cross, which is Christ crucified, listen, is unto them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, Hallelujah. It is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. The preaching of the cross is the power of God unto us. Hallelujah. Peter lifts up Jesus to Cornelius and his house. He exalts Jesus in his message. And God saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, his house, him and his household. Hallelujah. Praise God. I expect extraordinary. I'm going to say that again. I expect the extraordinary. I expect the supernatural. I expect the healing and delivering power of God to attend the exalting of Jesus wherever he is exalted. I expect the miracle of salvation. I expect real Holy Ghost conviction resulting in real Holy Ghost conversion. I expect demons to tremble and ang- angels to sing and shout with us. <laughs> I expect an unprecedented move of God as we exalt Jesus above all persons and things. I expect Christians who are weary from fighting a losing battle to be filled with the Holy Ghost and to fight with renewed strength. Hallelujah. And, 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 and new strength and resolve until the enemy is absolutely vanquished and defeated. I expect the devil to fight us with everything that he has. Amen. I don't expect him to just sit back like many Christians are. I expect him to throw everything he has at us. But I also expect him to fail. Because Jesus who we exalt is and was and always will be Lord of all. I want you to say that with me as we close today. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of all. Today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you can make Him your Lord, receive Him as your Savior. You can repent of your sin. You can quit running from Him friend of mine, there are people 
dying all over the world and we lead the world right now in deaths from this COVID. We should be reminded that life is not guaranteed down here in faulty bodies in a fallen world. Now I'm be 74 in a couple of months. You don't have to be my age. You don't have to be 91 like a dear saint that we just performed a funeral for. One of our own. You don't have to be 30. You don't have to be 20. If you ever take a walk through a cemetery, you will find every age But you can come to Jesus today and you can know that you have eternal life and that you will go to heaven and live with Him forever. So come in Jesus' name.